time to watch a movie you've never seen. There might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine, but there will be smiles and there will be tears. You won't watch another movie for about 800 years. It's time for death by video. I'm Phil. I'm Kit. I'm Graham. I'm Lil. And welcome back to Death by Video. So we are continuing our kung fu movies from around the world, from countries that don't really produce kung fu movies, with Italy's own Karate Warrior 6. So be ready for a lot of horrible Italian accents. You know, lots of, you know, pizza pasta. And it's just going to be Mario. It's me, thing. Mario. <laughs> Which is not even like a proper Italian stereotype. It's a Japanese interpretation of what an Italian plumber would do. It's me, Mario. You know, stomping on turtles. Yeah, it's overflowing. <laughs> Waluigi. Oh, my God. See, so yeah, Karate Warrior 6. My favorite character in the Mario canon. Mm-hmm. Luigi, not Wario. No, Waluigi. Whoa, is Waluigi the bad Luigi? Yeah. So he's War. <laughs> Because Wario made sense. It was like War mixed with, yeah. yeah. War works with Mario. But Waluigi, that just sounds... That's Wario mixed with Luigi. I know, it's just dumb. <laughs> um, okay, so before we get into it, I'm going to do a little bit of background on Karate Warrior 6. Um, its original Italian name for the series is Il Ragazzo del Kimono Dororo, which translated means The Boy in the Golden Kimono. So, uh, all six were written and directed by Fabrizio DeAngelis under the name Larry Ludman. He directed all six, um, starting with Karate Warrior 1 in 1988 and ending with Karate Warrior 6 in 1993. He's uh, fairly prolific as a producer and director. He's directed 22 feature films, and he's produced 42 feature films as well. including the, And he also directed and produced the Karate Warrior TV series in 1992. That's how popular this series was in Italy. Um, and the funny thing is, all the characters in it are supposed to be American. Like, it's very much a American knockoff of the Karate Kid, but they just kept going and not stopping. Um, he's known for producing Zombie 2, a.k.a. Zombie Flesh Eaters, a.k.a. Zombie, uh, which was directed by Lucio Fulci, and he also produced the Zombie 2 knockoff, the horrendous Zombie Holocaust. He produced uh, 1990 The Bronx Warriors and its sequel, Escape from the Bronx. It was on those films that he first met the elusive actor, Mark Gregory, who went on to star in two films by uh, Fabrizio, uh, which were the um, action film slash First Blood knockoffs Thunder and Thunder 2, a.k.a. Thunder Warrior. Um, He's famous for casting the son of John Wayne, Ethan Wayne, in his film Manhunt in 1984. And for all the uh, promotional materials, he actually renamed Ethan Wayne John E. Wayne, um, and only used photos that showed uh, Ethan Wayne in silhouette, so it looked like his father, which had who had died like almost a decade before, um, was still <laughs> acting in Italian action films in the eighties. Um, in addition to Manhunt and the Karate Warrior series, he also directed films. American l- Dream, right? 
I know. Yeah, he can also. I mean, he probably always wanted to make a film with John Wayne, and he figured out a way to make it happen. Or whatever happened to John E. Wayne? He mostly does stunts. Um, he did stunts on uh, Return of the Living Dead. Uh, a lot of a lot of pictures in in the eighties, and then not much other acting outside of Manhunt. Um, I don't think he took well to being called John E. Wayne in all the promotional materials. Um, in addition to those films, he also directed Breakfast with Dracula, which sounds awesome. Killer Crocodile, which is about a giant crocodile. Uh, Cobra Mission, which is a Rambo First Blood Part 2 knockoff. Um, he also directed The Last Match, which is, interestingly enough, about an American football team that has to pick up arms and go on a rescue mission for some reason on a island off the coast of the Philippines. Because apparently they're going over to the Philippines for a big American-style football match. And by football, I don't mean soccer. The poster of that film is awesome. It's like an entire American football team, but with like AK-47s running through the jungle. Which looks super dumb. And he also directed Karate Rock, starring Antonio Sabato Jr. Ah, yes. The son of much better actor Antonio Sabato. Um, I was debating about watching Karate Rock tonight as opposed to Karate Warrior 6, but I looked at the run times and realized that Karate Warrior 6 is only 78 minutes, whereas... Karate Rock is 90 minutes. A and, whopping 90 minutes. And the reviews online for Karate Warrior 6 are like, it's okay. The reviews online for Karate Rock are the worst 90 minutes of your life. No redeeming qualities. I might, I might watch it on my own. They said, like, even for a movie with karate in the title, he only learns karate in the last 18 minutes of the film. And even the film's villain remarks, hey, didn't you only start taking karate lessons yesterday? Um... But apparently, he's that good at karate rocking. Oh, no, karate's just super easy to learn. Yeah, you can pick up in an afternoon. <laughs> um, so with all that being said, guys, has anyone seen anything good since we last recorded? Take it away, Phil. I saw You Were Never Really Here, which was really oh, yeah. good. I finally saw that. I see that. It's mm-hmm. very good. Um, I watched the Tower Records documentary, which I... Oh, yeah, what'd you think? I, I liked it. It was a little a bit on the one side. It, it really was, yeah. That's what I thought when I, first, I saw it. That was my issue. Like, I, I did like seeing the business aspect of it, but it was still very, like... It was still very We're much... We're rock and roll! We're awesome! Yeah, it's just that old guard which kind of which sunk it a bit, which is yeah. my main problem. Well, I love it. the fact that in that documentary, they introduced the guy that, like, actually had forward-thinking ideas that would have saved Tower Records. But, um... Like, he, they just were like, oh, this guy came in, and he was young, and he was square, and he didn't party, so screw him, we're not going to take his advice. And it's like, yeah, his advice probably would have saved the industry, or at least that company. Exactly, yeah. It's, mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's kind of like an inadvertent lesson in yeah. uh, capitalist hubris. So. Mm-hmm. Don't get high on your own supply. But also, uh, we went to see last week, me and Graham, and uh, friend of the podcast, and occasional guest of... Vanessa Young. This is Vanessa Young. We went to see Durfan, a.k.a. Trance. A.k.a. The Fan. Um, on 35mm at the Royal Cinema. English dubs. Mm-hmm, which is interesting, because I've only ever seen the uh, the Italian, or not the Italian, the, the German version. Um it yeah, the English dub kind of made it certain scenes a lot funnier than they were in uh, in the original German. It comes across like it has a real creepy tone to it, though. Yeah, it's, it is creepy. Like, and that film is is really good. I mean, it's controversial for a couple reasons. Well, for one reason, because the lead actress is kind of disowned it completely. Although apparently now she's kind of like gone back there's, on it a little there's bit. There's plenty of controversial content. Yeah, in yeah. There's plenty of controversial content. I um, it, it's very restrained. It's far more restrained than you would guess on paper. But, yeah. yeah, but it it definitely caused a stir when it was released back in the early '80s. Great soundtrack, though. Yes. Um, anything else, Bill? 
Uh, I think that's it. Really? Well, uh, let me take over. Okay. You can probably fill us in on what Phil missed. Yes. Uh, well, I, I watched a few movies last week. I actually cool. went back and watched a movie I'd never seen, which all of you, most people have seen. Mm -hmm. It's one of those. Uh, I watched The Truman Show, finally. Oh. Never seen it, oddly enough. Nice. Yeah, it was okay. That was kind of like me when I saw The Shawshank Redemption, and everybody, like, everybody's like, oh my god, it was so good, and I hadn't seen it yet. And I hear ya, I hear ya. Yeah, I've seen The Truman Show. I mean, it's good. Lots of people mm. in it. Like, yeah. I didn't know Laura Linney was in Laura that. Lenny, and Ed Harris. Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. That was back when Paul Giamatti was one of those That Guy actors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Back when he was in, what was that karaoke movie he was in? Oh, Duets. Duets which starred Gwyneth Paltrow and... Uh, what's Huey his name? Lewis. Huey Lewis. From Directed Huey Lewis by and Bruce Paltrow. Okay. Yeah, it was, a, it was a family affair. Is that the one where she sings? Yeah. Yeah, she duets with Huey Lewis, her uh, fictional dad. Huey yeah. Okay. Let the music take control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, I kind of <laughs> liked it. I, I don't think Jim Carrey's a good enough actor to have carried the film where I think the film wanted to go, even though they made the film around him. Mm -hmm. It was an odd choice, do you think? <sighs> Uh, he's just is his manic like things sell the comedic parts of the film I guess almost a little too much I think he's a bit over the top um, but then when when it ha he had to be dramatic I wasn't buying any of it hmm. and like really if you think about the movie this guy's been abused his entire life I mean it's oh, terrible no. sexually abused yeah <laughs> basically think about that <laughs> every woman that he encountered that he got intimate with was aware of that he was not in control of his situation it's a really messed up film yeah it's horrible um, yeah, so I don't have any more thoughts on that. Um, I also watched Hotel Transylvania, which was awful. Yeah. Um, and? I can't believe that they made two more of those. Yeah, because why not, man? Come on, it's cute. Uh, you liked it? Yeah. And I saw the second one with my little brother and sister, because they had already <laughs> seen it. They told me, like, halfway through that they seen it already. But, uh... It's like a lot of fart jokes. Yeah, kids love that. Cute. I guess so. Cute. <laughs> All right. Um, and then, um, Phil, Graham, and I, last Tuesday, saw Hereditary, Ooh. which I liked. I don't know how Graham felt, and I, I know was, Phil did not like yes, it. Yes, Phil did not like it. The first words out of his mouth when the lights went up was, that movie was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Why, Phil? Or should we hear... In Phil's defense, I'll, I'll say that, um, uh, you know, there are contrarians who just kind of dislike things that people like. I've never felt that way about Phil. I always no. feel like he has good... He has valid for reasons own, for not liking what it is. For his own like. yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but, um, I was kind of mixed on it. I, I liked... I Because the thing is, there's a certain thing that happens, like an instigating incident that kind of like... Yeah, I don't want to spoil it for spoil Lillian anything. here or but, any of our listeners. Which, but. like, when that happened, like, I almost felt like walking out of the theater. I think you know the... the yeah, the, I, I, I really cringed. Yeah, that um, really hurt me. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. it was a bit of a shocker, and I guess it was supposed to be. And, and but then from there on, like it had kind of been mm -hmm. building a decent amount of tension mixed with like just good movie making stuff. And every, and every now and then a weird little creepiness. Yeah, to it. like the like ghosts in the shadows yeah. and stuff that you can barely see. Which I thought their their work with shadows in that film was oh yeah, the use of darkness was amazing. That one scene where like they just held mm -hmm. on that frame, and then all of a sudden you would hear different people in the audience go like ah because they realized there's something like, in the frame. You could hear people whispering like there, there's something up there. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god. Did like you we see saw it? this. Oh, we saw perfect. this, listeners. We saw this in a packed theater which is the only way to see a which, good scary it's film it's so good seeing it in a packed theater because people screamed out loud <laughs> like there was full on ah so well, good what was funny is that there was this jump scare like a person, like, a person behind me was like ah sorry 
<laughs> well, no, yeah, I, was, think, I think wasn't that when there was no scare when it, like just the guy set up and like looked around and no, like, it was like there was you a, think there was something coming oh one of those yeah one of those and yeah nothing had really built up that much yeah. so it was a bit of a preemptive scream and, yeah it was um, great but and the other thing too is that I was just kind of like the ending kind of bummed me out because I was just like come on we've all seen the witch yeah I hadn't so it was I guess more interesting to me although I yeah. don't I don't like endings that are like so. I don't know. Nobody so, wins. I know. I was sorry. Kinda, sorry. It's I funny. I was small spoiler. Yeah, small spoiler. I mean, it won't, it won't ruin it for a little. But like, I watched the Red Letter Media review of it ruin the, the it day for after. Ruin it. Ruin <laughs> it. Ruin no, the no, no, no. We're not going to ruin it. But the Red Letter Media review were like, wouldn't it be kind of satisfying if like the guys' friends from high school drove in car like in a car like, Vroom. dude, you're under spell. We read about it in the library. We gotta like return the stone to the chamber of the York, and it'll be fine, dude. Like, well, okay, so because <laughs> you wanted to like if felt like it felt like because like they do that same sort of ending in the witch and in the witch it's kind of earned whereas in this film i was like okay there's got to be something that there's got to be some other thing that happens other than just like oh that's the end of the movie i kind of feel like the screener was like what do i do how do i end it and then he watched the witch and he's like that's how that's what i'm gonna do but um, it, it's mm-hmm. to, to give some criticisms. Um, I mean, I was. But I that was, being said, I enjoyed. I I was really with the, the scares. Movie. The scares I was were like, good. man, I I'm, I was yeah. actually creeped Legit. out. Yeah, Legit and scary. I was even thinking about that. Like, I'm I'm not really scared in those sense. But yeah. Phil, just, were you scared? No. Not Phil was at not all. scared. No, like the, Phil fell that? asleep at one point. When I, at one point, I looked over and Phil, uh, Phil's eyes closed, mouth open. In, in Phil's defense, out. after the uh, the kind of inciting incident that you it mentioned, it did become before, a family drama. It became a fucking episode, a rather dreary episode of Six Feet Under, which is yeah. not what I wanted to watch at all. <laughs> but it redeemed itself, I thought, in the last yeah. half hour when it got when really everything scary. Went, when everything just amped up, amped up. I just the whole time when I was when the woman was like, "Oh, you know, my mother used to knit like uh, floor mats like that." I'm like, "Don't go in there. Don't go in there." don't go in there I I really enjoy that film when like she was putting together everything about her mother and I was like oh like that's the kind of shit I just love um, but then the ending I was like but you gotta have something more I, I, I feel yeah. like actually the film would have been better with less and also mm-hmm. uh, they really underused Gabriel Byrne there he I know did nothing but shrug but and I, kind of I shake his head I loved his character the entire movie I loved his character though I loved it though because he was just they the, didn't do anything with his but character but he was just the guy that was like seriously like I think he reacted he didn't go like instantly to like my wife is crazy <laughs> he um he started off being like okay we're gonna, I'm gonna talk to you I'm gonna humor this for a little bit um, and then the interesting thing is they do this thing in every other movie you see it where it happens where someone's like there's something happening you have to go look at this thing that's in that room and the person goes to that room and, and that thing is gone there. whereas in this one and we don't see him go up there till we, we, we see, see him go up into, there we, we see don't him go see into him. the room yeah. and then he comes down and he's like what the fuck was that like it was like literally <laughs> like no exactly what you said is true that's messed up let's call the police yeah he was, he was all about calling happening. the police yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but I just felt like if if he had become a more mm-hmm. important character in the third act, yeah. maybe that would have made the film more interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But I, I, I enjoyed I've, it a lot more than Phil. I would recommend this to people. I as think a you good enjoyed it more than me. See. It's just that ending just annoyed me to no end. Uh, it didn't get me as bad. Yeah, and plus the before that, like mm-hmm. the the twenty minutes before oh, that yeah, ending, that were great, genuinely that scary thing, when, genuinely creepy. It does what I love in horror movies when. Like, I like to call it like all hope is lost when like literally like okay there's no way you're getting out of this and then how is the character gonna get out of this and it and he did anyway sorry Lily you're just like looking at me and smiling and being like uh huh I have no, no idea what I'm you're- I'm trying to I'm trying to 
Imagine being in the theater there with you guys. <laughs> but I should say you should see it in a theater and see it with a packed audience. Go on Cheap Tuesday also. That's like a good way to get a packed theater. And hopefully the air conditioning will be on. Oh, yeah. It oh, wasn't. That was another oh, problem, no. yeah. Yeah, it wasn't when we were there. And like by the end of that movie, it was getting like sticky inside that theater. They probably did that on purpose to get everybody extra like... And they were literally yeah. making those sounds all the end of this. Yeah, it was, it was it was great. Those sounds, or like eating a very from something from a very noisy rapper behind us while un like opening up a can of po- a bottle of pop that they brought in. Like I felt that guy behind us was like drinking a two liter like, bottle. He of thought Pepsi. it was his living room. For I know. Crying out loud, he was talking to his date the entire time, like not whispering. No, just just out loud, just talking, making bad jokes. Ugh. Terrible. Anyway, Graham, you guys what have you heard seen? that they played that trailer uh, during a screening of Peter Rabbit. And they played Hereditary during a well because they had a whole Mother's Day um, ad campaign for it. And yep. I've seen the trailer for that, and it's like, oh, that wouldn't make me want to see the. I film. actually I'm never watched any it. trailer for Hereditary. I saw one, one. Um, before Deadpool two, and it looked good. So well, the intro- what Lil was talking about in Australia actually a, a theater screwed up because there was a screening for Peter Rabbit, and they played the trailer for Hereditary. Oh dear! And so all these kids were just like. <laughs> ah! <laughs> that actually reminds me of so when I went to university in Windsor, uh, that was like the height of the Pixar era, and some friends of mine were going out to see. I forget if it was Cars or the one before it by Pixar, and they're there sitting in the theater. And, like, you know, they're college students with, like, who had probably just smoked weed. Um, and uh, they were sitting there, and the movie that started was not the Pixar film, like, in this theater full of kids. It was The Ring Part 2. And this was back in the film days. So, like, literally, the projectionist, like, you just heard scrambling. From what they described, it was, like, it was the worst thing ever because these kids were just traumatized by this horror movie playing mm-hmm. as opposed to a Pixar film. And, like, they had to get up and, like, yank the... the they couldn't do a quick switch because they had to, like pull the film out, switch reels, do all that stuff. So, like, it does... It's. I'm glad that still happens where everyone... Because I went to go see the new Terminator movie a couple years ago, and they played a trailer for The Purge... Um, is it Anarchy? Yeah, The Purge Anarchy, which I love that movie. It's so fun. But, like, there was some dad brought out his kid, like, you like the Terminator movies? Let's go watch the Terminator movie. And they play The Purge trailer, and the kid is freaking out. It's good. Anyway, my final thoughts are: yeah. I, I did enjoy Tony Collette's performance. I wasn't sure mm-hmm. how I felt if it was a little over the top. No, it was, I think but it was, it was good. good. Yeah, she's a great actress. She is. And Phil forgot all about that film already. <laughs> I was dropping so many hints. You sure you haven't seen anything else? I, I know. I, I I didn't want to include it as a good movie. That's so no. I deliberately left it out. Oh, okay, okay. He knew that we'd be getting to it anyway. All right, uh, Lillian, what have you seen since we last recorded? Is Kit done? Yeah, I'm, that's it. That's all I've seen. Uh, I watched, um, what's it called? Um, All I See Is You, uh, with Blake Lively. She plays a, a blind woman, um, and things, she has a chance to get her sight back and she starts to realize that love may be blind and all this stuff. Um, and I thought it was going to be like a thriller and I was like licking my chops, you know, I thought it was going to be... It's like a blind blind woman sees something beyond common eyesight. Well, yeah. She's got the eyes of a killer. It was going to be like, um, you know, I would involve her husband like gaslighting her in a type Mm. of way. Um, and it was a lot slower paced than Mm. I anticipated. Um, but it was, it was okay. It was, it was, it was all right. Um, and I watched uh, The Disaster Artist. Mm-hmm. Which you were telling us about through our group chat. Yeah, I, re- I, I liked it a lot. 
<laughs> it's a good movie. I I yeah, give it a thumbs was, up. Yeah, it's it's odd because like I have I have a couple of thoughts about like I saw it at like the best possible way at Midnight Madness a tip and like that audience is so ready for everything. And like when Rhythm of the Night kicks in at the end, the entire audience of seventeen hundred people got up and started clapping along and dancing. So it's like you can't really recreate that in a regular theater. So I'm always like whenever someone says like when I said like, Yeah, I really liked it and then like someone else is like, I hated it. I was like Oh, but you didn't see it with that great audience at midnight, you know, full of people that were just thrilled to be there with Tommy Wiseau in attendance and James Franco and the other, uh, other Franco guy. You um, did? Jay Franco? You yeah. Did? James Franco was in attendance. So was um, so was Allison Brie, I think is her name. So was um, uh, so was Jan- so was uh, Sestero, the uh, Tom- uh, not Tommy Sestero. What's his name? Greg, St- Greg, Greg Sestero, Sestero, Tommy Wiseau. They were all in attendance. They were all there. They all talked about it. Um, it was interesting because like at one point they lost Tommy Wiseau just before the movie started and they were like uh, he's gonna barge in like halfway through and like try and like I need to find my seat you know, <laughs> you know what I, I, I really liked it and seeing the room before that I don't know if it had anything to do with my enjoyment of the film um, there was you know the part where uh, Sestero says to him like he oh you know can, can we do that beard shoot uh next week because I just landed a really neat gig yeah we're all hoping that Tommy's gonna say yeah of course you know this is your big break but um, it would so go against Tommy to do something like that he's the guy who said who made Sestero like recite lines in a diner he's the guy who said let's go to uh, James Dean's grave right now you know he's so like Boom, 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 boom. And I think he stayed true to character by not allowing his dearest friend this shot. Like he said, the movie is the number one thing and it's going to be number one the whole time. But also, I I think they were trying to illustrate that Tommy is a, a petty, small man. Selfish. Uh, also, like the you know the stuff that happened on set. I think it was just a clash of the way that he likes to do things versus the way everybody else. Like if he was up up front and said, "Listen, you guys are the bra- the the brains of this. Mm-hmm. Like you guys know how to operate the camera and everything. Just do it my way." If he had that like little teeny tiny discussion with the whole cast and crew, things probably. I don't think they would have hated him as much as as they did well i think the one thing so i've a fail failure to communicate a little bit about the way that he would want to do things well the thing is i've also read the book that it's based on and the book is much darker than the film so the book kind of goes into a bit more about how tommy wiseau just he does seem like he's got a lot of a lot of issues for sure oh no not so much the issues but just his way of dealing with people is that he didn't really understand the process of film production and like as a person that works in film production, like just reading about it and then seeing it, it made me like die inside a little because it's it's one of those things like in like the way I do production for my own like shorts is different from the way we do it for bigger productions. But it's it is true. Like it's it's just something like I think also Tommy was, just wasn't a good communicator as well because um, he like he really should have relied more on his assistant director uh, Sandy played by Seth Rogen um, and yeah. Um, yeah, it's clear he didn't have the the knowledge of how how to make a film. He just he just wanted to make a film, and yeah, I I don't know. It was uh, it was consistent. I think his behavior was pretty. Like I could see how something like the room would come out from 
from him. I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, from that behavior was, for sure. It was well done, the disaster artist. I thought it was really good. And it was neat to see the like all the little minor roles played by people we all know. <laughs> oh yeah. The best was what's his face, the high school musical guy. Chris R played by Zach Efron, yeah. Yeah. And you didn't even realize it was him until the end of the movie. That's the great thing. Have you seen anything else, Lil? Uh I can't think of anything else. I just thought of those two. No, I don't think I saw anything else other than that. Cool. All right, well, then I'll, I'll do a quick rundown of what I've seen just so that we can get into the film because I know Kit's going to turn into a pumpkin in a little while. Um, I am, yes. So um, after watching Fatal Deviation, I watched the... What? Wait, uh, sorry, what? Kit's turning into a pumpkin. No, what did you watch? After Fatal Deviation. That's oh, correct, okay. Boyle. I misheard you. I misheard you. In the future... Van Damme, or Stallone, Schwarzenegger. They're going to be too old. It'll just be me and Van Damme. I love that Van quote. Van Damme doesn't age. Yeah. <laughs> He's gotten so old. Um, so I watched the um, the film Sequence Break, directed by and written by uh, Graham Skipper, which is available on Shudder in Canada and the U.S. as an exclusive. It's, uh, it's, a, it's an awesome, low-budget kind of thriller about a guy who uh, works on vintage arcade games and how uh, the wrong arcade game can ruin your life. Um, I saw the aforementioned Durfan. Um, I watched the really great um, mock documentary film from 2006, Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, which I I put off seeing when it came out back in 2006 because there was so much hype about it. I was just like, well, I'm not going to watch it. It was one of those things like everyone in the horror community was talking about it. I'm like, I'm sick of hearing about this. I'm not going to watch it. And then I finally watched it, and I was like, why didn't I watch this back in 2006? Because it is such a good film. Like, it's not really scary. It's not really a horror film. But it's just so good. Like, and, and even not for horror fans, it's just super good. Um, I highly recommend it. I watched the film Tower Block from Britain, which uh, was also really good. Uh, it's about um, one floor on a, uh, on a tower block uh, who refused to leave uh, because uh, developers want to tear down the tower block to make, like, some new condo or something. And a crime happens on that floor, and... No one says anything to the police about it because they don't want repercussions from whoever committed the crime. So then a year later, they are targeted by a sniper in their apartments. And they kind of like have to band together. These people that have been living close to each other don't really like each other and don't really know each other, but have to band together in order to survive this sniper. Sorry, that reminded me. Um, I watched The Bar. It's a Spanish movie. Okay, I haven't heard of it. Um, basic, it just reminded me because of the plot um, that you're talking about. Um, these people, they're just, you know, it's a, it's an everyday, regular day. Uh, these people get stuck in a bar um, because anyone who goes out gets shot from, like, a little bit higher above. And this is, like, downtown Madrid. And they're trying to figure out why. And they kind of piece things together. And there's some sort of um, epidemic and this one man that came into the bar holds four four vials or four shots of the cure. Okay. So basically only four people will survive from this bar. And there there was only probably like 10 to begin with, maybe a little bit less. And little by little they start dying off and you know because of there's only four people that will survive, so things get kind of things get kind of antsy. And yeah, it was it was neat. It was interesting. Oh, cool. Interesting. 
sorry. Yeah, no, no, it's good. Like that, I actually realized I'm like, man, I really like sniper movies. There's just something about like this unseen force picking you off that you have to work together to figure it out. Um, then I watched Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Three, not the new Leatherface that's on Netflix. Ah, uh, yes, the Texas, the Leatherface from 1989 or 1990. I don't remember when that came out. I watched Leatherface too. I'm sorry, I can't. I should write this yeah. stuff down. You see, but you watched the the other Leatherface, the, the other one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, man, I haven't seen this movie since I was in high school. It's such a good film. It's so brutal. It's basically, it kind of loosely ignores the events of the second Texas Chainsaw Massacre film, but they like Leatherface is now like holed up with a new family in this like isolated you know farmhouse, and this couple driving from California to Florida, they run into some trouble, um, and they encounter the the Chainsaw family. However in the woods going for like a survivalist weekend is one of my favorite actors ken forey from dawn of the dead playing a survival training guy and he also gets targeted by the chainsaw family but he's someone that can actually hold his own it's such a great little it's only 80 minutes it's just a tight little very scary very horrific film is gun did gunner hansen reprise his role he did not they wanted him to but he gunner hansen you know, he's passed away. From all reports, he's a really lovely man. But when it came to acting, he always wanted more money than people were willing to give him. He was supposed to have an appearance in the 2003 remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre with Jessica Alba. However, he, like, he was supposed to be the truck driver at the end that, like, picks her up and saves her. And he was like, well, you're only offering me, like, a thousand bucks for the day. Like, I'm Leatherface. You should be offering me a lot more. Oh, speaking of which, by the way, I don't know if we mentioned yeah. this, but uh, R.I.P. Arlie Ermey, who died about a month ago, I oh, think. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, he was in that remake. And, yeah, of yeah. course... Full Metal Jacket. Mm -hmm. And uh, what was that movie with uh, Jason Biggs and... uh... American Pie? No. I don't remember Harley Hermione. Whipped. Was it Whipped? No. Is Whipped the movie? I don't know. No, it's not Whipped. Um, What's the movie? Jason Biggs and uh, Jack Black and Steve Zahn and... Uh, and I always remember the ending turned out to be that Arlie Emery or Arlie Ermey, he uh, was their, like, gym coach, so he, like, helps them out when they're in their 30s. Oh, is this about, like, the friends are trying to stop Jace, break up Jason Biggs and his fiance? Well, yeah, by introducing a new, yeah, something like that. I don't remember the title of it, but I vaguely remember mm-hmm. the movie. Yeah. yeah, it was on TN- TMN a lot. Also much music, I think. Um, Probably. Um, yeah, I also remember Arlie Ermey had a bit part in Seven. Oh, uh, it's one yeah. of the detectives. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I also watched Hereditary, as we discussed earlier, and I watched Thor Ragnarok, which was super fun. Was I'm great, so right? glad there was yeah. a good Thor movie. It was like the right way to use characters from the Marvel Universe. It's I got feel Jeff Goldblum in it. It's got Jeff Goldblum. It's got Doctor Strange. Like I really dug the fact that like Doctor Strange shows up. There's the Hulk. It's like that's. It felt like watching a comic book. So with all that being said. Let's watch Karate Warrior oh, 6. Oh, and I started checking out the show River. Didn't River? You, didn't you watch that with uh, Stellan Starsgard? Stellar Skateboard. Stellar Skateboard. Stellar Skateboard. <laughs> Sick, <laughs> man. And his son, okay? Alexander Skateboard. No? No, I think uh, you're talking no. about the Terror. The Terror is what I was watching. Oh, okay. Yeah. I also watched the TV show Manhunt Unabomber, which was really good. About the hunt for the yeah, Unabomber. That's a good one. Yeah, it's good. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Paul Bettany is the Unabomber. That's right. Pretty good. Yeah. And Keisha Castle Hughes for Whale Rider fame. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's a, she plays. She's a Whale Rider. Yeah, yeah she's yeah. an adult. I know. I'm she, an yeah, she adult. She turned into an now. adult. How about that? She had a kid when she was like 16. Yeah. yeah. She started dating the guy when she was like 13. It was crazy. He was older. 
It wasn't cool. Was it, was it John Krikfluski? Uh, I, don't, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Anyways, uh, let's watch Karate Warrior 6. We'll be back in a moment. All aboard. We're back. So that was Karate Warrior 6. It sure um, was. Yeah, that, that was. Yeah. Do you want to shut the door just to cut down on the, the, the street sounds? So, yeah, like, considering I'd never seen a Karate Warrior movie at all, let alone Karate Warrior 6, I was actually, like, kind of concerned because I realized, wait, I hope this is in English. Um, it was, and uh, it was it was something else. Dubbed. It was, it was dubbed. But yeah, yeah. It, was, it was 78 minutes that I don't think any of us will ever get back. Um, it was. <laughs> I mean, we had some fun. Uh, we, we there were lots of laughs. It's always lots of laughs when we gather to watch something. But this is like something like normally when I curate this, I like I like there to be something that's like offbeat but good. And this was something else. There were there was there were moments that that well, the, are going to be my brain the, the two centerpieces of the film were a motocross race and yeah. a big karate match. And neither were good. And both of them were terrible. The motocross race was quite <laughs> slow. They were very like safely going around careful, corners. Like, like everybody was like not trying to knock each other over. And both and the karate match featured two guys that clearly didn't know karate in any way, shape, or form. At all. Yeah. Their kicks weren't even landing. I know. Assuming you could see the kicks at all. Yeah. yeah. They would they would often just cut away to crowd reaction shots because the karate so was so bad. I know. So Kit, uh, you're turning into a pumpkin soon. You have to leave. Like what are, I what am. are your I was, what are, I was I was gifted by before, a fairy ga- godmother. Before before you have form. to go. What are your thoughts on uh, Karate Warrior Six? I don't uh, even know how to like say Karate Warrior Six. Uh, it, it, uh, it, it, it's me, Karate Warrior Six. There we go. That's what we need. It's of me, Larry Jones. I, I don't know. Yeah, Larry Jones. Uh, well, it it was it was not good. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna briefly go over the plot because there's not much mm-hmm. plot. Uh, we we open in a malt shop. Blah blah blah. Uh, we meet Leo, who looks like a pudgy version of the Leo from Twin Peaks a bit. I think yeah, so. Same He's got name, the ponytail. same character, same ponytail. Um, we but, meet uh, Larry Jones and his main squeeze Betty, who we thought was at first was his sister. And when they kissed, we were like, we were, "Well, I guess it's yeah. not his sister, mm-hmm. unless they just go that way." <laughs> um, uh, Leo, um, he he rides a bicycle while trying to eat a hamburger and drink and a soda, a, which is a amazing. A big gulp as well, a big gulp and eat a hamburger at the same time while bi- while riding a bike. And he he gets hit by a limo. This now, is the inciting incident mm-hmm. here. He gets hit by a limo, uh, and he feigns like. Serious injury, and, and some guy in a turban comes out wearing a bed sheet. Yeah, it's a bed sheet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, "Oh well, you know, here's I'm gonna give you some medicine to make this all go away." Well, he's referred to as your highness. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, the two. Now he's royalty of some sort. 
Uh, he's like a Middle Eastern oil sheik, I'm guessing, is what they're going for. Something like that. Which are big. Those are starting to come over in the 80s. That, that actually becomes a trope that's in a couple different movies. I think in the movie My Chauffeur or Chauffeur, Chauffeur or something, there's a there's a Middle Eastern oil sheik in that that Penn Teller is like showing around. It reminded me of Coming to America a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so he eventually he gives him $10,000. To, in 1993, money. So originally he gives him five thousand, and then um, Leo, to his credit, it's plays like, it up. Oh, he's my, like tries to milk it a bit more. So, much, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he gives him another five thousand. He's got ten thousand dollars, and then Leo, being the wonderful sweetheart that he is, he says, "Hey, friends, I'm gonna take you all on a trip to Greece, but first we're gonna gonna go on a so shopping." He spree. goes to visit his asshole friends, and he's like, "Look, I, I made some money. I got some money. I did this this crazy thing Let's happened, and here's some money." Trip, and the first thing, so that, I'm riding my bike. Yeah. <laughs> The first thing his friends do is is rip up the money. They don't believe they, him. They don't believe it. He throws. A, they don't believe him at first, and then he's like, "I'll prove it." And he throws the real money on the table, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah." I guess they've yeah. never seen money before. And then they tear up the bills. <laughs> I know, and he has to quickly grab it back from like, "What are you doing, you morons?" Schmucks. Um, and so then he's like, "Well, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna, we're gonna go to like, uh, we're gonna go on a trip." And like, he throws down pamphlets as like, "Here's all these countries I want to go to." So they settle on Greece, the island of uh, Hydra, I believe it was. Which yep, I'm not sure yep. is that a real island? In well, Greece? they go to Athens, but then yeah. when they're in Athens, they go to Hydra. Yeah. Um, and he's like, "Well, first, uh, you guys, you guys are classless. So I'm gonna class you up. I'm gonna give you some lessons in class because so you dress like spree. shit." Um, and they go to J.C. Penney. <laughs> <laughs> Your dollar will go further. Uh, and then they go to Greece. Yeah. Did you just uh, want to say, what Phil? happens in Greece? No, no, wait. Before we get to Greece, I have to point out, I got really upset because there's something that they did, which other Italian filmmakers do, but they don't do it so blatantly. They stole shots. Like, they they go to the airport in a white limo, and it's clear the shots of the limo are like clearly like someone hanging out the window of like a cab with a 16-millimeter camera just filming as much as they can. And they get to the Miami International Airport, and they are clearly like, the actors are look kind of like looking a little nervous because clearly they did not have permission to film there. And like the director is like, eh. <laughs> sorry, that's my imitation of smoking. Like, you boys go down to there, and I'm going to set up the camera over here, and then we shoot the... Uh, Fabrizio, this is a, an international airport. Yeah, shut up your face, you know. Um, and then they did it. And then they go to Greece. So, Phil, what happens in Greece? Well, in Greece, they're, uh, they go to the Acropolis. They're taking pictures. Oh, but what do they call it? The Acropolis. The Acropolis. <laughs> so, uh, we should point out that this is an Italian film that was written in Italian and I think shot in Italian and then dubbed back into English. There are lots of weird, like, he wants to walk on his own two legs as opposed to stand on his own two feet. What was the other one? Oh, I saw it there in Flesh and Bones. Like, what is that? It all seemed very, very, very American, the guys. Oh, for sure. They, they might have been American, but they probably, what probably was was they did their roles in English and then the Italians dubbed it into English in Rome, which was they were familiar with doing and didn't use their original voices and didn't use the what they said. Like, they probably interpreted the script to be, like, flesh and blood, standing on two feet. But they're like, no, you, you don't stand on your own two feet. You walk on your own two legs. It's flesh and bones. You think they spoke originally in English? Yeah, I normally. I think so, because I was looking at their mouth sometimes, and it didn't match with the English. Like, they were speaking phonetic that's, Italian? That, that's Well, that's the thing about Italian films is that they tended to have the actors speak whatever language they spoke, like, naturally. And then they would redub it into English afterwards, even if they didn't bring back those actors to do their own lines. Um, yeah, they would just like have like someone come in and redub it. 
But yeah, so where do we go from there? So they're in Greece. They're they go to Athens, and then yeah. Our, so uh, there's a an older man with a unfortunate page boy cap and a mustache, mustache, fierce mustache, fierce mustache, and, and a bitch and gold chain. Yeah, that gold chain was something else. And and, and you see multiple shots of him just staking them out because he's spotted a mark. It was very cartoony. He'd like pop up behind a pillar <laughs> and like peek out at them and then go back. It was funny. Yeah, yeah. It was very like Elmer Fudd. Uh, I'm pretty sure they also didn't have permission to shoot at the the ruins in Athens as well, because that looked like they were also in a hurry of quickly like we're going to walk in from this side of the frame and then go all the way to the other while talking about what we just saw. So then, um, the the man approaches Leo, who Leo has been the butt of so much so much of his own friends' abuse at this. His point. friends are terrible. They are. They're really awful. Like this is even before they start calling him Tubby or whatever. They call him Tubby and Chubby. Yeah. Yeah, they rip up his money, then Leo offers to take them for vacation. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of horrendous body shaming in this. But anyways, so the old man's like, are you American? And Leo's like, yeah. Yeah. Good, I have something to show you. Meet me at this lake. So Leo wanders off, and it turns out he's showing him a mermaid that appears whenever this old Greek man plays the violin. And and the sounds coming out of his violin are something else. Oh yeah, they're not really from a violin. They're from it, a keyboard it, yes, that has a violin setting. Yeah, you hit the Go violin bigger. effect on the keyboard. Yeah. And that's As someone who insane. plays the violin and whose father is very much involved in the Canadian National Fiddle Association, that violin playing was bogus. Graham, you play the violin? Occasionally. Oh, you, gotta, you, you have to play the violin for us. <laughs> they could have played some for the Fatal Deviation episode. I'm not that good. <laughs> could have played us a jig. No. Ashley Mackay's did up here. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, he sees the mermaid and he's like, It's a real mermaid! I don't believe it! And it does. It looks like a mermaid, kind of. But it's far away and he goes like, Oh, I gotta take a photo. And the old man's like, Well, you gotta pay. And he's like, How much? $500. And he's like, Okay. I'm gonna go away, get my money, and come back later on tonight. Of course, that scam makes no sense, but Leo yeah. falls for it. Because he's, he's a good-natured guy. I know. He's such a sweetheart. We can make I millions. Bo- I can't believe it's a mermaid. Oh, my God. I'm the only guy that's ever been to Greece that this guy has ever said, Hey, there's a mermaid, and I want to show it to you. And then he's going to let me take a photo for only $500? I'll make millions from proving mermaids exist. And so he tells, like, not uh, not the, the, the the boy in the golden kimono, Larry, or the other guy whose name we never learned. He tells that, like, guy that he's rooming with, like, oh, my God, you won't believe it. There's a mermaid. You got to come and see it. It's 500 bucks. The others. Yeah, it'll all be for us. <laughs> Which is really out of character for Leo, I do have to say. Yeah, for well, sure. He didn't, I don't know if he said it'll all be for us, but let's just us go. Yeah. The, the amount of money we can make off of pictures? It's like, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And, they're, and then he's like gung-ho. So they go back at night. And this thing's, this is where I really like lost the plot of this movie. So they go there and uh, Leo like tells his friend, go hide behind a rock. So his friend go hides behind a rock. And Leo like takes out his camera and he's like about to take some photos. And the guy's like, okay. Like, oh, no, photo, like only one or two. And he's like, okay. And then all of a sudden his friend starts taking photos as well. So the old man conjures up the mermaid with his violin playing. And his friend starts take, Leo's friend starts taking photos as well. And the old man's like, what's going on here? Uh, that's such a bad Greek accent. Um, that's, that's more like an Italian accent. <laughs> yeah, this is an Italian film. Um, what's going on here? And then they start taking photos and it's like, Mister, I gave you the $500. Now we're going to strip off and go. Well, you got to take our photo with the mermaid. And it's like, wait, why are you taking your clothes off? 
And he's handing like this fancy camera. Yeah, this fancy like like a really expensive camera to this guy that's like, come see my mermaid. And they like hop into, but then all of a sudden, Larry Jones and their other friend just hop uh, come out of nowhere swimming. They were there all the time. Yeah, Yeah, they're there in the water and they're just like, this isn't a mermaid. This is just a guy. And like Leo and the other friend have like already been in the water. Like what? And they turn around to see that the the Greek man has like stolen all their like. Um, their clothes and their cameras and like taken off and apparently they had their plane tickets in there yeah apparently Leo didn't trust the hotel or his friends to carry the plane ticket so he had them with him all the time so now they're stuck in Greece without a plane ticket and they've got one more night in their hotel which includes a continent- continental breakfast and then they're on their own so where does it go from there Kit Phil uh, so uh there's some kid who's offering to give them tour guides because they you know, he sees a bunch of Americans and he offers 20 bucks. So then uh, Leo, Leo puts uh, his, like, Wait. says his caper. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not even a caper. He's just like, if they'll pay some random Greek kid 20 bucks, we're Americans. They'll pay us 200. And so Leo walks, and his friends are like, ah, you're Exploiting stupid. Exploiting the white privilege. And so Leo walks across the street and says, hey, for 200 bucks, me and my friends. And they're like, oh my God, you speak English really good. Do you know anything about Greek history? And he's like, no about it. We study archaeology at the University of Greece. And so then he takes these Americans on this tour of, like, the ruins and just makes stuff up. And it, yeah, and, like, it just plays into what the Americans want. I think this is when they go to Hydra, yeah. Yeah, they go to Hydra. This is when they go to Hydra. And there were some pretty good jokes in the stuff that he was making up, but it was kind of cheesy, too. Yeah, like, they're mispronouncing words, yeah. uh, Some woman pulls him down. She's like, did he really bite the apple? Paris, tell me more about Paris. He's like, well, it wasn't really Paris; it was New York. That's why they call it the Big Apple. Yeah, like, Helen of Helen of Toy. Helen of Toy. Yeah. They like use pronouncing Medea as media. Yeah. yeah, they they use the Roman god. What is it? Uh, Jupiter. Jupiter, which is Zeus, yeah. yeah, which is a Roman god, not not a Greek god. So there's like all kinds of like cultural like shenanigans going on here. And then after that, they but like the, the tourists eat it up. They're like, oh, they these, love it. These, yeah, because the whole shtick was so like, you think you know, but you don't know. This is what it really is. Yeah, yeah tourists even points to her book like none of this is in here, and he's like, that's because that book is worthless. Um, Leo really like pulled it together here to like save his ungrateful friends from their situation. Um, Leo's the real hero. He of this is. Film. He is the karate warrior. Um, <laughs> yeah. As much as Larry is in this film, for he's, Larry's he's, horrible karate. He could probably he could probably perform karate better than Larry. Probably, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Larry's karate is garbage. I got a headache just thinking about it. <laughs> so then, um, so then his friends are like, "Well, we can't just cheat Americans out of money." And Leo, and Leo's like, but they ate it up. They had a good time. Everyone was like enjoying themselves. And they're like, no, we can't do it. We can't cheat an American out of 200 bucks. We can't uh, cheat our people. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much that. Kit, do you need to depart? I'm, I'm just going to get ready to go. Keep, keep okay. going. Okay. Um, so then from there, this is, is this when we meet Elena? And Elena's kind of like... Yeah, she's, oh, no, getting, she's getting roughed up. Oh, yeah. So, like, these two guys on motocross bikes show up, and they're roughing her up. And then this is where we realize who the karate warrior is, because Larry goes up to them and very slowly kicks very low and, like, beats the crap out of these two guys, mostly while the shots are reaction shots of Elena and uh, Leo and, and the gang. Now, uh, it's interesting. Elena has actually gone on to do some interesting things. Her real name is uh, Gabriella uh, Barbuti. And she was actually in The Passion of the Christ. She played one of Herod's concubines. She's, wow. she's got a look to her. She yeah. does. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, and she did a lot of other like regional Greek work back uh, in the 90s and, and uh, early 2000s that I saw when I looked her up. So anyway, she's like, oh, well, there's this big motocross tournament, and if you win... What what was the thing again? Like if you win, I'll give you like a thousand bucks, and they oh, were no, like, 14, no, it's 000. fourteen thousand drachmas. Oh, fourteen thousand drachmas. Which is like two thousand American. Oh, okay, so that would get them home at least and breakfast or like something. They said like, oh, a hotel and breakfast or plane tickets and breakfast. Yeah, Leo makes the comp that uh, like they can have money for breakfast. Yeah, how much is breakfast in Greece? This is like, what I want to know. Three hundred dollars. <laughs> um, um, so um, so they but of course just, Leo has to make that comp. I know. Um, so Larry is like, yeah, I'll, I'll do the motocross race. And she's like, you know how to motocross? And all his friends are like, he's the best motocross racer in the world. Um, and it turns out that he's not, but just everyone else in, on that Greek island are the worst motocross racers on the world. Yeah, the, the island hero of the, uh, of the motocross. Mustafa. Is garbage. I know. He's like, he's the worst piece of Euro trash. He wears a neckerchief. He has, like, weird leather pants with white on Yeah, them. white, black leather pants. Yeah. And the way he stands, too, is something else. Yeah. It There's looks... a perpetual smirk. He has, like, mm-hmm. the Euro trash haircut. Yeah. Oh, and those eyebrows. I know. They, he, and he clearly shaved in between them, but didn't do a good job. Yeah, they're, they're uneven. Yeah. So, anyways, they, she's, they're like, oh, well, the only thing we need is a bike. And she's like, I've got a bike. So, they go to her garage where there's this old bike that's, like, clearly falling apart and rusted. And, like, luckily, the, the you know... And Leo's, missing a wheel. And missing a wheel. Luckily, Leo's gang are, like, really good at, like, motor stuff. So they, like, fix up the bike. This is where they start calling Leo Tubby and Chubby. And, like, come on, get the wheel, Chubby. Um, and they have no seat for this bike, so Elena just gives them two beach towels, which they're like, oh, perfect. And I'm like, no, that would never be perfect. You're like, that bike has a lot of bounce to it. Not having a proper seat, you're, you're going to get, like, destroyed. Well, his balls will, anyway. Yeah. Um, so from there, what happens next, guys? Oh, we go to the, the glorious motocross race. Take it away, Lil. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of smack talk, right? Just before they set off. And then, yeah, it just turns out into this little promenade. <laughs> they just like meander around turns and. <laughs> yeah, I was like, is this a race or just like a walk in the park? There, there, there's general road where there are people walking on yeah, the road. Yeah, there's a person walking on the dog. Traffic. Yeah. Um, yeah, low speed. And sometimes, and sometimes they go on no detours through some wooded areas. Yeah, aka the, the cops are coming, so they had to get off the street probably. And then it winds up being. Um, Mustafa and and Larry being the last to left and Larry pulls ahead and he wins and everyone's like yeah that's amazing and then somehow he challenges him to like a karate fight or no is this when we learned out that Elena is betrothed to her uh, father promised her her father promised her to Mustafa but again this is 20 late well, yeah that was in a later scene when they're just kind of you know hanging out and uh, these two guys that are with Mustafa they pull over and they say, you got to come with us, Elena. Mustafa wants to see you. And she's like, no. And then Mustafa but just then, shows out out of the blue there, too, in that one scene. Oh, yeah, when they yeah, track yeah, him he down. He just jumps out of the side very comically. <laughs> yes. yeah, and after Larry kind of kicks their butts a little bit, saying she's not going with you, Mustafa shows up. And, and you see none of this butt kicking at all. Yeah. It's, it's all like uh, it's all reaction shots or close-ups yes. on Larry just being like, ugh. It's, it's, yeah, they're all facial reaction shots. Mm-hmm. Shot yeah, from the shoulder and, and Larry, uh, uh, sorry, Mustafa kind of announces that, you know, there's going to, why don't we fight and... That's my oh. girl. And, and like, Larry's like, Elena, is this true? And she's like, no, 
but my father promised me to be married to to Mustafa. And the funny thing is, like, I get it. It's Greece. It's Europe. They got a different way of doing things. But it's also 1993. Like, she is not betrothed to anyone. All right, hold on. I'm gonna do my uh, my outro just so you can you okay, know, okay. insert this in the. Uh, in the All right, outro. so this is Kit. <clears throat> and I've been Kit. <laughs> Goodbye, Kit. <laughs> Bye, Kit. See you next Bye, week, Kit. everyone. <laughs> I will not be editing that in to the end of the episode. Um, so. You gotta. It'll go in not so hard. Though. I'll be Kit. Yeah. Okay, just do a Kit impression. Yeah. I was Kit. Yeah. Wow. Accurate, right? Very accurate. Bye, Kit. We'll oh, see you soon. Thanks. <laughs> um, so then, uh, then Mustafa challenges him to a karate match with Elena's marriage on the line. Not like, and like the stakes well, doesn't, are. Doesn't it come about because like Larry's like discussing with his friends, like Elena helped us out. We gotta help her out. Yeah. So there's there is like an honorable thing there, but it's also sort of like, can't she just say no or and like. We learn also during the karate match that her father is on the side of Larry, not Mustafa. So it's like, you can rescind your blessing. Like, it doesn't need to be, like, unless, I don't know, is, is like, is that a Muslim territory? Because, like, with the name Mustafa, that sounds a bit I Arab. Guess so, and so yeah. maybe it's an arranged marriage. It's, it's, it's certainly a uh, cultural thing that's real in, in their region or in their town. It's just like a custom, you know? Okay, I can let the, I can let that slide because I do know that that in certain like the whole arranged marriage thing is still like super serious and legit. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it is. So we'll let, we'll let that aspect go. So basically, it's a karate match for Elena's freedom from marrying Mustafa, and um, but the problem is Larry is like training, and Mustafa is a much better fighter than he's ever faced. Like Mustafa, slowly pushes over trees with his feet, and slowly throws his friends over his shoulder and then does a headbutt and the headbutt is the thing that like breaks Larry's back like he's like I have no idea how to defend myself from that and we see Larry training by like running along a beach doing two push-ups and then kicking the ground brief like just above his knee like he does not know karate at all this character this this actor does not know karate it is just bad and so at this at one point I wasn't sure if he was running or dancing right when he starts kicking while running yeah, yeah. yeah it was a bit of a da- little dance move um and so at this point, I think that... It wouldn't feel out of place in, like, an Italian ripoff of Footloose. Let's just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, it could have gone the Footloose route. So at this point, um, one of Larry's friends calls home to his girlfriend, Betty, and says, Hey, Larry's like, we got this karate match. We lost all our money, but now we got to do this karate match for some reason, and you don't need to worry about it, um, because there's a little teasing of, uh, of romantic tension between Elena and Larry, even though it doesn't go anywhere. And, you know, we need uh, Mizawa here. Mizawa is, like, Larry's karate instructor who's from Japan and wears a very fake mustache. Um, Which often falls off. Yeah, Yeah, like, there's a scene where where Larry and uh, Mizawa once, like, Mizawa's come to Greece. And, like, he's running and his mustache is barely clinging on. So there's, this initiates what I'm calling the phone montage. So Betty talks to her grandfather who agrees to fund a trip to Greece to watch her boyfriend have a karate but is, match. But this is preceded by the ginger dude. I don't remember his name. He kind of yeah. was like a mushroom cut. He was like curly hair mm-hmm. ginger yeah. dude. He walks into a convenience store. That's what I'm saying. That's This it's, initiates the... He yeah, calls yes, her. Yeah. And then she the talks... The rotary phone. Yes. The in rotary a in a phone booth in a convenience store when he says he will play for some reason. Um, and then this, in turn, Betty calls someone else, some woman, who knows... Uh, she calls um, Mizawa, and Mizawa's kind of like, oh, I got plans, I can't go to Greece. 
and I kind of agree like this is something where it's just sort of like maybe you shouldn't have meddled in like these local affairs um, but she's like well I'll go down and I'll see Mizawa in person and I'll uh, I'll convince him to go and then she talks to a woman who knows uh, Larry's dad who's played by the awesome David freaking Warbeck from the beyond and from Ark of the Sun God just an amazing, amazing actor who did mostly Italian B-movies, but he's so good. So he turns out that it, he plays Larry's dad, which I was, like, blown away by. And he's like, maybe I'll go there, maybe I won't. And he apparently is a cop, so, like, he's got to, like, get permission to go off work. So then it's arranged. So then Betty visits Misawa, and Misawa agrees, to, like, he's kind of like, ah, I don't want to go. And she's like, well, here's your plane ticket. It's for tomorrow at noon. And he's like, you mean I don't have to pay? And she's like, yeah. And he's like, I'll, go- I'll be there. <laughs> And it just cuts to an American Airlines shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, so at this point, Mizawa shows up and starts training Larry in earnest. So where does it go from there, Lil? Okay. From there, we see a really bad... It cuts immediately to, like, to, training. Yeah, Mizawa is, like, the worst trainer ever because he's just, like, holding up two, uh, two strike pads. And Larry is just kind of, like, going, eh, eh, eh. And, like, slowly punching them and then kicking them randomly. And they talk about, like... And Mizawa doesn't really know what he's doing. No, either. Mizawa was clearly, like, was just like, I'm Japanese, these white people think I know karate. It's the best scam ever. They told me to stick this fake mustache yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. I look wa- old and wise, they will listen to me. Um, and so, at this point, they talk about, hey, this Mustafa guy, we saw him, and it's this type of karate we've never seen before. It's kind of, like, got wrestling involved, like a little Gro- Greco-Roman. And then, um, this is when Mizawa uh, explains, he knows the Turkish variant, which is a well-known martial arts style, which we looked up and is not a martial arts style at all. It's just the Turkish variant. And that's actually going to tie into our next one, which is a Turkish martial arts film called The Sword and the Claw. The inadvertent segue. Yes, the inadvertent segue. <laughs> and we just thought, like, man, it would be great if we could have a Fatal Deviation versus Turkish variant movie. But we'll see. Fatal Maybe Deviation. Maybe Karate Warrior 7, Fatal yeah. Deviation. Well, he said, you know, you got to watch out because he may use his left. Or he may use his right, and you won't know. And that's when I remembered Fatal Deviation. <laughs> it very oh, much what became... else does, Yeah, what else does he say? Like, you need to use your mental energy? Yeah, like, remember, your mental energy must be strong. And you're like, dude, you're not training this guy at all. Like, this is not Mr. Miyagi teaching wax on, wax off, and the crane kick. This is some old guy being like, yeah, think it through. Think it through. <laughs> He might he might attack you and you gotta you gotta like fight back, and Larry is just terrified of of the of Mustafa's headbutts because his headbutt like and the thing yeah, is Mustafa he's really terrified about the headbutt in particular. And the thing about Mustafa training is like he does this training montage with all his friends where he beats the crap out of all of his friends and at the end he's like yeah isn't this awesome guys? He's not even thinking about it. And they're all lying on the ground in pain like you're the man Mustafa. And it's just the worst thing ever. Um, and so then we no, go. No, they're just on the ground in pain, like you know. Yeah, right. Like I don't, I don't think he, like he's not even like a gang boss leader. He's not involved with drugs. He's just a guy that like got an arranged marriage and is sticking to it. And like he's, she's merely an asshole. Yeah, he's just, he's just a mild. Well, he's clearly the best biker, best fighter on the Greek uh, island of yeah, Hydra. Uh, until you know Larry had to shows up for and him. ruins everything. And now he's like the son. second best biker. Larry's son. Yeah, Mizawa keeps calling Larry Larry's aunt, Larry's son, and it's just like, oh my god, you're even. We aping. get it. You we watch the Karate Kid. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which is how we got the boy with the golden kimono. So then we go to the the karate match, which is titled "Big Match of Karate," 
Mustafa versus Larry uh, Larry Jones. Larry Jones, which is the last name. And it's just a handwritten sign. And it's just the worst thing ever. Like, I mean, it's one of those things where you're just like, and they stretch it out too. Like this movie is not long. It's only 78 minutes. And I'm pretty sure it's 72 minutes with four minutes of credits. There was no opening credits on the version we watched. By the way, this film is entirely available on YouTube. Um, if you want to check it out yourself or don't. Um, well, a quarter of the movie was the motocross race. Yeah. And then there's at least 10 minutes of people talking on the phone. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what's more painful, like th- the huddling to get to the match from the other side of the country or, um, I mean, the other side of the world or the match itself. Like, yeah. I don't know what was more grueling for me. I'm like, what is at stake here? Like, do they really have to do this? It's just a freaking match. It's just some guys like, you know, throwing a bit of hot air around. By the way, I just remember the sign was, I think you pointed out it was hand painted. That were hand drawn, the, the the big karate sign. Also, all the license plates the license on the plates, motocross yes. bikes were hand drawn. There was like handwriting on there for like nine nine dash three or something. And you're like, oh my god. Yeah, it yeah. was clear it was clearly paper to like stuck to the back of these yeah. motorbikes. I know. Man, Fabrizio, you just you let me down. Six of these. Huh? Hmm? Six of these? Yes, this is the sixth karate warrior. My good god. But that being said, he did produce uh, 1990 the Bronx, War- the Bronx Warriors and Escape from the Bronx and Zombie Flesh Eaters. So without him... The we, money was running out. Yeah, like this, this is also 93. Like, So the thing about the Italian film industry is that they didn't really get like what we consider television, even for the, for the 70s, until the late 80s, early 90s. So like the reason why there's so many Italian movies um, is because people go to the theater like three or four times a week. And so... Like, and TV was not on 24 hours a day. Like, I think RAI uh, 1, or no, RAI 1 was on for, like, 12 hours. And RAI 2, their two main Italian uh, television stations, were, was only on for, like, something like eight hours. And, like, they only, they showed a movie on Tuesday nights, and that was the only movie that the cinema was cinemas were closed. And, like, after, like, 7 o'clock at night, there was no television. So people would just go, keep going out to the cinemas. So that's why you have, like some like 700 spaghetti westerns and uh like 1100 giallos and all like so many knockoffs and then and like they kept doing it because people still were in the habit of doing it and by like the mid 90s when this film came out or the start of the mid 90s when this film came out that was when like tv had fully like reached uh italy like with satellite dishes and cable and home video of course and i should point out um karate warrior from three four five and six aka the the Larry Jones years, that those are the the ones that went direct to video. All the first two went to cinemas. The last four went direct to video. So the Larry Jones Quartet. Yeah, so that's that's where we're at. Um, so this karate match is just awful. There is one good line in it where, at a certain point, uh, Mustafa is just kicking the crap out of poor Larry, and he turns to Larry and goes, "Prepare to be killed." And Larry's just like, oh my god, I'm gonna die in Greece in a karate match. And at this point, Larry's on the ground, he's broken, he's hurting, and then the crowd parts, and then da- there's David Warbeck. And David Warbeck's like, go get him, son. And that's all it took. And then all of a sudden, it went. he went into the position for the crane kick. He does a crane kick, but we never see the crane kick in a wide shot. It's always like in close-ups. And even in the close-ups, it doesn't look that good. It looks like he only kicked him in like the middle of the chest. So it's, it wasn't even like at the end of Karate Kid when he does the crane kick and kicks him in the face. Like, it's a 
possibly in the abdomen kick and like it doesn't even look like it lands and then mustafa falls down they count to 10 also the rules in this tournament are, are here. so arbitrary they're here they're everywhere like there's three judges but like there's no rounds there's no like oh you scored a point therefore we're stopping for the moment it's just let's just see where it goes and all the previous rounds larry's on the ground for like at least 30 seconds yeah. per round yeah, yeah. So, this, so this 10 count rule doesn't make any sense so larry wins the match they go back to we see elena watching a plane fly back they go back to to Miami, which is where you they're get, from. Like, a lonely reaction shot. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I no longer am betrothed Elena to that the guy. Spinster, yeah. And now, but now I'm on my own. And you let you all you people left. So now they're they're back in Miami, and they're all talking. Like Leo's telling the story of like how everything happened, and then jerk Larry shows up and is like, "Oh, did you tell them about how you lost all of our money when you went to go take a photo of a mermaid?" And Leo's just like, oh, whatever. And then at this point, it's told that, hey, there's a new girl on town. And we're all like, oh, my God, it's got to be Elena, this new girl on campus. And she's from a different country. We're like, it's got to be Elena. No, it's the daughter of, like, an Arabian, like, they call her an Arabian princess. And we realize it's the daughter of the guy that gave Leo the $10,000 in the first place. And so Leo's like, sees the, the limousine company. He's like, oh, guys, I just realized I forgot a book. So he runs over, pretends to hit, to be hit by the car. And then very ineptly, very ineptly, and then the two guys from earlier get out of the car, and they're like, "Oh, we can't give you the full ten thousand this time. You're really pushing your luck." But how about five? And he's like, "Yeah, five's okay." And so they're like, "Here's your five. And they start slapping him, and they slap him back and forth and back and forth. And all of his friends, as opposed to coming to his aid, they're in hysterics. They laugh like, "This is so funny." Leo's getting. He just bought us new clothes, took us on a trip to Greece, showed us the world. Look at him get slapped in the face over and over, and then credits the end. So that was Karate Warrior 6. What the heck? Well, he did push his luck that second time, I, I, I gotta say. Even still, though, your buddies have got to, like, come to your aid. Oh, Leo, just up to his shenanigans again. I know, I know. This was... And he's fat! Wah, wah. That's pretty much the whole story of Leo in this movie. It's, it's such a weird... It is very much like Italian humor. Like, when you go back and watch certain Italian films from the from the uh, early 90s like there's a lot of like off not off color but just like weird dumb humor that doesn't really translate as funny anymore um but yeah i mean this is just such a bizarre time capsule like before we started this series like i had no idea that there was a karate warrior one let alone six and yet we found all of them you okay lil yeah, I'm sorry. I just like hearing the word karate warrior and 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 <laughs> and remembering this movie is just night and day. And there's five more of them we haven't watched. Oh my gosh, my Four. brain just exploded. Yeah, it was fun watching it with you guys. You guys made it work. Like if I was watching this on my own, I wouldn't have watched it. I wouldn't have finished it. But it, it you... I could be a karate warrior then. Oh yeah. I'm gonna call myself a karate warrior. Well, here's the thing I realized. I took Karate Warrior from age 11 to 13. You took a I'm, class called Karate Warrior? No, no, I, I took Kempo Karate. I'm pretty sure I've got more skills. You could take on Larry and oh, yeah. Mustafa? Oh, yeah, they wouldn't, at the same time, they wouldn't stand a chance. And I haven't done karate in, like, 20 years at I this point. I believe it. But, oh, my God, because, like, that was the whole thing. Like, his kicks were terrible. Like, his knee was bent. They weren't high. Like, he was totally bending over. He couldn't do it. His punches sucked. Like, they, everyone in this movie sucked. So, with that being said, what are your final thoughts on this movie, Phil? You know what? I enjoyed it for its ineptitude. 
food mm-hmm. <laughs> for its sheer profound ineptitude. Like watching it in a communal atmosphere, it oh, it helped it, for sure. Yeah, it made it that much more entertaining. Yeah, I, I laugh. I laughed at it mm-hmm. very much. Yeah, like I mean, this isn't even a John DeHart situation where you can like point to a singular vision here. This was just like, no. This mush. is very cliched. It's very bland. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Very cliched and probably the most ineptly executed. I know. And that's, that's, you know what? I don't mind like I don't mind like kind of flimsy stuff as long as there's like lines that you really feel like yeah you know like as long as there's like a villain that that is worthy uh or a hero that is worthy right but in this case they both just like flop big time so it made everything well that's the thing like you compare it to someone like Gidevin it's like the hero is such a personality and the villain is such a personality whereas in this movie we didn't know who who was the karate warrior until like 20 minutes in I freaking loved Gidevin okay like Huck hugging it hello and then there's Will Smith and all that you know so William E. William E. William Smith yeah. and Wingshauser. And John DeHart. You know, like, there were so many good things about it, but this one, you're just kind of, like... There's nothing to hang your hat on. Yeah. Like, I kind of wish the whole movie was just Leo... I can appreciate these guys, you know, these guys getting on this adventure together and, like, you know, the stuff that goes on, but that's pretty much... And Mustafa seems like a sort of, like, a comedy villain, like an 80s comedy villain more than, like, an action He never seemed threatening at all. No. No. And well, like in like a bad '80s, you know, kind of like a preppy yeah. villain or something. Exactly, he was yeah, Euro trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I mean, I guess uh, Lillian, what's your final thoughts on this well, film? That, that was, I guess, I I don't know what else I could add. It's very hard to add anything to this movie, <laughs> considering that like a good like at least ten percent of his running time was taken up with a phone call montage of people calling each other to call each other to call each other to get to to Greece. Yeah, I guess my final thought is it's. It was fun watching it with you guys, but I mean, even Fatal Deviation, I could watch Fatal Deviation on my own and enjoy it because there's enough idiosyncrasies there to like get through. Are you kidding? The action was sick. I know, compared to, I know, like, Jimmy Bennett knows what he's doing. Yeah. But with this film, like, even if the action was bad, there's still, like, you could have something to hang your hat on, like a character or motivation or just a lunacy of plot. With this, it was like, well, this girl's kind of promised to to marry this guy, and if he challenged you to a karate fight for no, and here's the thing, what's if his face? The, if the action was actually good, we wouldn't feel as badly about this movie. We'd actually be impressed, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, we 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 would be in, we would be like, oh yeah, the the stakes or the the action far outweighs the stakes. Yeah, because she's basically just helping out a new friend. Yeah, but also the other thing too, like Mustafa, like. He has nothing to gain from engaging no. in a karate fight with Larry. Like, nothing other than pride. But even that's, like... Well, which... yeah, there's, yeah, I guess there's, like, the pride of, like, he could... He might, at least for the most part, he would be able to kick his ass. Yeah, but, but he's already, like, the best karate guy on the island. Yeah, it's fine that it's But he's it's been not... humiliated in the motocross race. He's now the second best motocross racer. He's no longer the fastest. Until Larry leaves, and then he's the number one again. But he was defeated once. And yeah. He has to hang has to, his like, head in shape. For, I know. He has to loathe that for the rest of his yeah, life. This, this movie is just dumb. Like, I'm sorry, Fabrizio. Like, I, I, I appreciate the work you, you're produ- producing work because you produced, like, two of my favorite movies in Zombie Flesh Eaters and 1990 The Bronx Warriors. But 
this movie, there's just nothing to hang your hat on. Like, it's literally, like, it feels like it's, like, you know, mushy vanilla pudding slipping through a grate or something. It's not, it's not all there. So, I mean, this is, like, I feel almost, you know what, I did laugh more watching this than I did when we did uh, Jason Goes to Hell. So I don't think this is, like, I'm, I'm on the level of depression after we, when we watched Jason Goes to Hell. <laughs> Yeah, you were yeah, really. That was that, yeah, that was yeah, like. I remember that episode hearing it. I know, I know. That was before you were on the podcast, and it was yeah. just. Yeah, that movie was just just defeated. I think me. that was still our number one episode. I know, weirdly wow, enough. Oh, nice. Yeah, that and and Zodiac Killer always does well because people think we're a true crime yes. podcast. Yes. Um. So, um, I I don't really have anything else to say about this movie. I think is that that it for everyone here. Yeah, that's does basically. Does it have me. any final thoughts? Well, I think the whole movie was a uh, dissertation on uh, Turkish variation um, and maybe some fatal deviation. <laughs> Anyways, that was my horrible kit impersonation, um, which was kind of Swedish in a way. Um, yeah, it kind of sounded like the Swedish chef there. Defer, 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 deviation. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that that was Karate Warrior six. I'm not I I don't think I'll go back and watch Karate Warrior five th- or one through five. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe it peaks in the first one. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, maybe they're better. Well, they definitely like they lost most of their main cast because like Ken like I was saying Academy Award nominee so Ken, Ken Watanabe. Ken Watanabe was in the first one, like the guy from uh, Last Samurai and from The Dark Knight and from what else was he in? Letters from Iwo Jima. Letters from Iwo Jima. He was in, I, we think, Inception. He was in a, a bunch I of stuff. I think said it was Inception. Yeah. Yeah, but what does he do in it? Does he say, you can do it, buddy, and, and just buzz off after that? He's like, the, he's like the trainer. He's like Misawa in this movie. Okay. Because the characters did like the characters did switch after the first two to, to the Larry Jones years. Or maybe Ken Watanabe just ages that much between, <laughs> these characters just ages that much between parts, between one, parts one, and six. one and six. Possibly. Who maybe knows? he's the one who holds all the Karate Warrior movies together. His character. <laughs> he was only in the first, though. Yeah. But yeah, so anyways, so that was Karate Warrior 6. Um, we're going to be back next week with a movie that I like quite a bit. It was uh, recently re-released by the American Genre Film Archive in association with Something Weird Video. It is the Turkish movie from one of the actors and the makers of Turkish Star Wars, The Sword and the Claw. And we'll be back next week with that. So, for Death by Video. I've been Phil. I've been Kit. I've been Graham. No, no. <laughs> I've been Lil. And I've been Graham saying, please be sure to rewind and we will see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Like, share, and subscribe. We're also on Twitter at Death by Video Pod. We're on Instagram at Death by Video Podcast and on Facebook at Death by Video Podcast. Thank you so much and we'll see you next week.